Welcome to Pebble in the Pond, a podcast that hopes to create a ripple of change for mental health. My name is Sam Stewart and I'm the CEO of the Australian and New Zealand Mental Health Association. Each year I have the pleasure of attending events to meet and connect with the most fascinating and accomplished people in mental health. Listen in as I go one-on-one with the people changing the face of mental health in Australia and New Zealand, from lived experience speakers through to researchers, academics and influential industry leaders. Our Pebble in the Pond podcast episodes may contain themes or topics of discussion that may be triggering to some listeners. If you feel you need assistance with your mental health at any time, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or visit the Get Help page for additional resources at anzmh.asn.au. This week's podcast is with a gentleman by the name of Rodney Bridge, a person who I met a few years ago, but was only able to find time and the opportunity to have a chat with him this week to share his amazing story and journey of what he's up to. How to talk about substance use with youths. The issue of substance use among youths is one that we see in the media almost every day. The topic is often difficult to discuss. But one man committed to spreading the word is this week's guest, Rodney Bridge. Rodney's son Preston died at the age of 16 after taking a synthetic form of LSD in February 2013 during his high school ball after party. Following his family tragedy, Rodney discovered that LSD substance that Preston had ingested was one that was made up of a powerful synthetic hallucinogen, as well as a shopping list of other synthetic drugs. Preston lost his life that night based on one choice, and had he known what he was taking, he would have made an entirely different decision, no doubt about it. As a result of this tragedy, Rodney founded Side Effect, a non-for-profit organisation designed to educate youth on substance awareness. Side Effect aims to bring early intervention and harm minimisation strategies to schools and communities across Australia, empowering, challenging and educating youth to make informed decisions based on knowledge and awareness. Tune into this week's listen uh, as I discuss with Rodney his experience, the founding, uh, the founder of Side Effect and of Side Effect and what's going on with it, and how he is using this platform to engage youths to spark life-changing conversations. Hello listeners and thanks for joining us for another episode of our Pebble in the Pond podcast. With me today gives me great privilege to uh, introduce to you Rodney Bridge. Rod, how are you mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Sam. Yourself? Yeah, really well, mate. I appreciate um, yeah being able to catch up. I know you've been a bit busy lately uh, and doing some wonderful things over there in WA, but certainly I know you're looking uh, to roll some things out nationally, which I want to start talking about um, towards the end of the podcast with Side Effect and everything uh, that, that you're up to. Mate, if we don't mind, if we want to start with your background, if you just want to give us a bit of background as to who you are, what, you, what you've been doing over there in WA, uh, and then we can get to uh, the reason behind Side Effect. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. thanks. And thanks for having us on. Uh, yeah, born and bred West Australian boy on the, on the beach. Um, twin brother. Um, still got mum around. Dad passed away some time ago. Yeah, right. um, yeah had, the, had Preston and Amy, the two beautiful kids, and... Yeah, life, life was wonderful. Life was wonderful. Mate, it's a great spot, WA in Perth, and, uh, and mate, looking forward to having a chat about, you know, unfortunately how it all came about, but um, tell us, you had two kids, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, Preston and Amy, so Amy's now um, 29, and Preston would have been 25. Tell us how leading up to, you know, the incident that took place, place at his formal, or the, the school ball, Tell us about how that happened and, and about the incident. Yeah, well, you know, this, it all goes back to his year 12 school ball. So, um, you know, once they come from their Christmas break, uh, you know, I, I always found it a bit strange how they'd have a year 12 school ball at the beginning of the year. But the schools tell me that um, they'd like to get the school ball out of the way before it comes to exams at the end of the year. So it was only about three weeks actually after Preston had come back from school holidays. Going into um, grade on Friday 12. night, they, they had to – you're going to year 12, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is interesting that they have it at the so, start. Uh, 
yeah, yeah, I, I, I really conf- I really get confused about that. And, you know, I've had it out with the school and some other schools about it and think, well, you know, why do you have a school ball on a on a Friday night when they've just come back from three-week school holidays? It just gives them a licence to basically run amok. Yeah. Um, so, you know, anyway, you know, we, we can't do much about that. So I had the, the Year 12 school ball and, and uh, you know, Preston was, was looking forward to the big event. He had all his mates around for... For um, for a bit of a swim and and went down the beach for the morning, and they all came back and a couple of them got ready and yeah off they went to the pre, they caught the pre ball sort of photographs with his mum, yeah, um, not the sort of thing that dads do that's a, <laughs> that's a mum mum sort of tradition, um, yeah had a, had a, from what I understand had a great time at the ball and I saw all the photos, and uh, I contacted I told him when I when I you know when I um said goodbye to him at the house. So I'd pick him up at eleven thirty, quarter to twelve, at the convention centre where the where the ball was, and we'll uh, get him home, and he can get changed and go to your typical, you know, after party. Yeah. So that's how it all sort of came together. Start off with yeah. Yeah, and leading uh, leading up to this though, like Preston uh, was pretty. What was he? A pretty outgoing sort of a lad. Was he? Um, he was yes, extremely outgoing. He was um he was the king of the kings kids. You know he was um he was a great sportsman. That's one thing I could say about him. Um, he was he was uh, signed up for you know to go into the AFL draft wow. um, as a sixteen year old, which was pretty good. Um, he held about three or four school records in athletics, and, and I think it's still still held today. Um, played baseball. Um, yeah, played football. Yeah, he's a uh, he was a very, um, a very talented kid. Um, they all reckon he got it from his mother. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, and a very talented kid, and um, he was loved by everybody. Mate, he was just one of those, yeah. one of those little larrikins that um, you know that always had that cheeky smile on his face. He was he was just a gem of a kid. Again. And mate, was he was he the sort of person that was, um, you know, was he party partying a fair bit, or was he was he fairly well behaved, being an athlete? For most of it, he was pretty well, um, you know, kept things under control. But he was pretty, it was pretty, pretty, pretty hard to tie down all Prez. I mean, he's he had a lot of mates. I mean, um, when you say party hard, well, he was sixteen, so yeah. you know, he used to used to stay up a bit, a fair bit, and um, you know, I, I, you know, when I do presentations at schools, they ask me, you know, did he take drugs? Well, the answer to that is no. But um, if you called a couple of coroners couple of cheeky kroners on a Friday or Saturday night with his old man, you'll, you know, yeah. But, yeah. you know, I always had this belief, Sam, when, when I grew up sort of thing, and, and especially with Amy when she was in her sort of teens, that they're going to go out and do it anyway, you yeah. know. So you might as well sort of allow them and give them a little bit of rope um, and, and do it with them. You know, I used to say to President Amy, if you want to have a drink, you can have a drink, but if you have it at home, you're staying home. You're not going out. Yeah. And we had a pretty good... Um, Pretty good rule about that, and it, and it worked out pretty well. But you know, did he take drugs? No, not not that I was aware of. And you know, I know that his mates didn't take it. So yeah, you know, if he did, he, he was obviously very sneaky. But but I'm yeah, I'm sure he didn't. Did you end up picking him up after the after the formal or the ball? Yeah, yeah, I picked him up at about quarter to twelve, and then typical you know jumps in the car and he's got his three mates with him and he's in his girlfriend and i thought yeah okay here we go it's always like can they get a lift well it's pretty hard to say no when they're already in the car <laughs> so i got them all back to my place and what i didn't realize is the cheeky little buggers had turned around and put their clothes at my place during the day so it was all set up for them to right. come back get changed go to the after party yeah you know pretty pretty smart 16 year olds um <laughs> yeah so i got them to uh got them to the after party and I remember when Prez was getting out of the car, I said, look, mate, I'll, I'll pick you up out in front at, at quarter to four. Um, and, uh, and I said, don't do anything stupid. Yeah. I remember the last comment, the last words we ever spoke. And he turned around and he said, do you think I'm a bloody idiot? Yeah. And that was the last words we had. Wow. Yeah. Um, jumped out of the car, so I headed home, and it was about quarter past three in the morning. I got a text message, and he asked if he could stay the night. To help um, help Tom's dad clean up after the party, and that's the usual thing he used to do. And Tom's uh, dad was a friend of mine, so I didn't have a problem with that. And I said, as long as Tom's okay, you can, you know, yeah. you can uh, you can stay. 
um, yeah, and then, you know, then it all went pear-shaped after that. So it was following the text message that uh, he experimented with some uh, syn- synthetic drugs? Yeah, well, um, another friend of mine was picking his son up at, at about 4 o'clock. Yeah. And Preston was out there saying goodbye to him, and then and my friend, sorry, Sam's dad, said, oh, Preston, I'll give you a lift home. And Preston said, no. Nah, so I'm going to stay here for a while. I'm going to help out clean in the morning. And then, and then for some unknown reason, Preston changed his mind and said, oh, look, actually, no, I will come home. He said, I'll give Dad a hand tomorrow. So he was about to get into the car, and one of his mates came up and rugby tackled him from behind as a joke and said, oh, when they were going down to the Sun and Moon Resort, come down to the resort, and uh, you know one of, um, one of my friends has got a unit down there, and she's staying down there for the night. So Preston decided to... Just stuck down there for half an hour, and then after he'd finished having a chat with him, he was going to head home and walk home. Um, got down there at about half past four. There was uh, five boys and, and two of the girls, and uh, one of the other kids turned up, the one that had given Preston the drugs. Yeah. He turned up just after 4.30, and he gave Preston a, and the other boys a substance called 2,5-IM bone, which is a, a synthetic drug that, manif- that uh, mimics the effect of acid. Preston took it, and the other boys took it. Um, it was about four hours later, five hours later, Preston wasn't feeling very well, and the other boys weren't well. Two of them went home. One got picked up by his mum. And then Preston, uh, according to the boys, to one of the boys, Preston was starting to talk a very foreign language, and he they couldn't understand what he was talking about. And they went downstairs to go and get some boys that were around the pool to come back and help Preston. And um, as they were going down there, they heard a loud scream and a bang, and yeah, pressing the jump from the from the balcony. I mean, what a sliding yeah. sliding doors moment. I mean, when he was going to go and get in that car to come home. Uh, I know. It's well, mate, we did a the, the West Australian newspapers here in Perth did a story called it was called the the twenty eight links in the chain, and the twenty eight links. He says one of those links had broken; it would never have happened. It'd still be with us. So it was very freakish, mate, to have, the, you know, Preston's phone. One of the girls had taken his phone home in a purse or in a handbag. Um, we were trying to ring him in the morning. We couldn't get hold of him. So, you know, all that, you start adding all those things up and you go, wow, you know, this, you know, my, my mind, this, this, this was supposed to happen. This was for a reason. Yeah. All it can be. All it can be. Mate, what, what year was this? 2013. 2013. It would have been devastating, and I, I can't obviously uh, begin to think what that would be like uh, for yourself, your family, uh, friends to go through that. But how long after the incident did you start to look and, and really start saying, well, what, what was it that he was on, and, and how did this happen? And yeah, uh, tell us about that. Well, that was about it. Was a, once all the formalities were over, we had Preston's funeral, and you know, we had the memorial and everything for him. I sort of then thought about, well, you know, no, the police aren't taking this serious. The autopsy came back and said that, that Preston had, um, had fallen by accident. And I thought, well, no, he, he didn't have an accident. One of the witnesses that was at the resort said they heard someone running for about 20 metres along, the, along the, um, uh, the balcony, and next minute they heard a, a scream and a bang. Well, that's not somebody that, that, that had an accident and fell, mm. so... I got a bit um, a bit concerned about that, and I kept sort of talking with the coroner's office, and and then I thought, no, no one's taking this serious. And it was about a week after that, um, a young boy called Henry Quine in New South Wales died from exactly the same thing. He stripped naked, ran through the kitchen area, pushed his mum and sister over, and then just jumped, just launched off the off the off the balcony. So I knew then there was something strange about this. So I typed in two five IM bone. China into the um, into Google, and up came all these websites that you could buy drugs from. Now, what concerned me the most was when I spoke to the coroner's investigators. They told me I told them that one of the kids had told me that Preston had taken a substance from Silk Road. They got it from Silk Road. Now, I don't you know call me naive, but I thought Silk Road was like a suburb in Perth somewhere. I'm trying to work out Silk Road is it in you know, Scarborough, Wembley Downs. <laughs> the investigators told me it was a website that you can buy drugs from. Well, yeah. 
Call me naive, mate, but I thought a website, how can you buy drugs from a website? How would it well, legally Silk was, be able to happen? Yeah, well, Silk, no, well, Silk Road is one of the most sophisticated sites um, by using using very sophisticated software in the, in the dark web. So um, when they told me that this website exists and it can't be shut down, I got a little bit confused because I thought, you can't shut a website down, but you can put two people on the moon. I just I just couldn't comprehend that. Is it because anyway, it's on the dark web or so? Is, is that why, what's, I mean, why can't they shut it down? Because it has a very intricate, it keeps changing its IP address every five seconds. Uh, okay. So they, they have difficulty. Anyway, the, the, the Silk Road, the mastermind behind Silk Road eventually got caught. And, oh, okay. um, and they flew my now ex-wife um, over to New York to give an impact statement to the judge. So it, it's the story with... Preston just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. It's a fascinating story. Um, so when they told me about that, I um I checked out two five IM Boom on the on the um, on Google and up came all these websites in China. So I decided then to to make it uh, my mission to to explore this and uh, at some point in time try and expose what research chemicals with drugs were all about. Yeah. So I ended up going over to China as an undercover drug dealer. And uh, on the first trip I went, I um, got a whole pile of video and and uh, and photographs and I brought them back to Perth. I showed the federal police, I showed them the government, told them what the research chemical trade's all about, what these products are, when they get shipped, what time they get shipped, how they pack them. Um, and after about a month, nothing was done, nothing was mentioned. What year is so, this now? Right, is this 2014? That was, that, that was 2000, end of 2014, yeah. Yeah. And so then um, after that, my um, my ex-wife got flown to New York to give an impact statement to the judge in the sentencing, sentencing of Ross Albright, who was the director or the mastermind behind Silk Road. So um, after her, um, I suppose you call testimony or impact statement, um, she ended up giving him two life sentences, 20 years and five years on four counts. Wow. So the good news is with him, he's not coming out of prison. He's, he's been there for the rest of his life. So does that mean Silk Road's now shut? Yeah. Silk oh. Road's closed down. Silk Road 2 oh. got closed down. But well, that's great. Mate, they, just keep, they just keep opening up on the dark web. It's, there's nothing you can do about it. It's such a, it's such a well-orchestrated, multi-multi-billion-dollar U.S. business. You, you, yeah, you're going to be... So copycats, copycats have gone out there now and started to try and, and do it yeah. replicated, have yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. And they're, mate, they're out of Russia, India, Nigeria, all over the place. So there's not much you can do. So so anyway, after uh, after my ex came back from New York, um, 60 Minutes wanted to interview me again um, with, with my ex. So we sat down and did the interview and... Then I disclosed to the producer what I did in China when I went over there undercover on my own. Um, he couldn't believe it. He thought I was telling a, a story. So I showed him some of the images and then he contacted me two days later and said, how would I feel about going back again? So we ended up going back to China um, about a month later after I sort of renegotiated all the deals with the Chinese dealers over there. And after we finished that trip, that was extremely successful. Um, it went out to um, when they put it to air in Perth. It went global, and from what I understand, there was something like eight hundred and fifty million people that viewed the sixty-minute story. Uh, and the Chinese government got involved then, and over the preceding three months, uh, they ended up banning one hundred and sixteen research chemical products. And people laugh when I tell them this story because I've I've got all the news articles from China. Yeah. So they banned 116 research chemicals. They interviewed 155,000 people. They arrested 21,000. Wow. They blocked 5 million social media sites. They shut down 1,500 offices and factories manufacturing the product. Um, and now out of 248 websites, there's only eight in existence. The rest of them have gone under underground. So it was a massive... Um, That's incredible. A result I didn't, ex- result I didn't expect... But um, yeah, that was the outcome. And so you went over there with the with um, hidden surveillance, I guess, that was following you around the factories. Yeah. Yep. And, and was it surprising you how easy it was to get <laughs> hold of these things? Mate, it was the easiest thing I've ever done in my entire life. One, 
making contact with him was the easiest thing. But number two, uh, as long as you keep talking about money and how much money you got, they they slip through. You slip through, and they didn't care. I mean, I was dealing with you know twenty twenty two year old kids, so that's the that's the people that were that were dealing over there in China. So it was a bit, yeah, yeah. It was a bit. Um, said I said to someone the other day in an interview, I said, um, you know, if you can deal with a sixteen year old boy like Preston, you can deal with anybody. So dealing with these twenty year old kids that would trying to sell me research chemical drugs was the easiest thing in the world. Mate, did you ever try and get this stuff shipped to your home? No, no, no. Well, no. I could have I could have in the early days because when on my first trip, it was actually a legal substance in Australia. So to wow. explain a little bit about research chemical drugs, research chemical drugs are manufactured in China. They're for medical research and medical research only. Okay. The joke of it is when you see it, uh, on the website, it tells you how they disguise it to ship it into Australia. So it's not for medical research. I've spoken to chief scientists that I deal with all the time, and they tell me straight out that there's no medical research. It's actually a finished product. How China get around it, you have to have a license with the Food and Beverage Act in China to make it, which makes me laugh because I think, what's, what's food and beverage got to do with this product? Are they putting that in so anyway, food and beverage, are they? I uh, I don't know, but Jeez, that'd be well, scary. I, I, I can't get any information out of China about it because it's extremely difficult. But so, what, so yeah, so if you don't have a license, you can be arrested for it. Um, but what they say is the medical research that they on how they sell it is you actually take the you take a sample of the product, you, you actually consume the product, and then after you consume it, you can actually write a paper on the effects that it gave you. That's what their medical research is. Wow, that's which just is which just is ridiculous. That's loose yeah. as, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that that's how they say they get around around it. Like, you know, basically. So anyway, so so twenty five IM bone was the uh, yep. was this was in the LSD substance that Preston took. Yeah, so the two two five IM bone is a tab that that has got a research chemical on it that mimics the effect of acid. So in China, there's like nearly 400 research chemicals, and there's names for every single one. Um, things like things like APVP, that's the product that makes synthetic cannabis. Yeah. Now, APVP also is called, uh, you might have heard the word bath salts, flacker, oh, yeah. zombie drug. They're all APVP. And that's, that's the one that's most probably the biggest concern in the world because it's it, uh, it's a deadly, deadly substance that is consumed in different ways and you can smoke it as in synthetic cannabis. You can – it's a powder form. It's, it's a dangerous one. So I think last year the stats showed that over 64,000 people in America died last year from the APVP. Is that because of a result of what they did when they were on it or because the drug just – it just broke down their body and they stopped, stopped breathing? That's it. Yeah, it's – people overdosed. Um, yeah. Um, hallucinate. Some people – some reports came out of America that there was a guy that – Continually ran into a into a lamppost until he killed himself. Oh, so I could just in a like, car I can't or fathom just... that. Just with his head, just straight into the lamppost. Just continued, did it until eventually he died. Holy dude! And that's that's what these products do. That's what these products do. One one report in America that um, someone on the substance um, ended up um, chewing off a homeless man's face. And wow. these 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 stories are real. <laughs> And that was that PV one that you were saying, APVP, yeah, APVP. Yeah. Uh, forgive my ignorance, but is this is this the sort of stuff that's in uh, ice? Well, ice is more no. I, see, ice is more manufactured with with chemicals, but they're actually poisons. I, ice is, um, you know, battery acid, hydrochloric acid, Drano, you know, rat poison, phosphorus, lime, kerosene. That's part of the thing that's in ice. So ice is, ice is starts with a product called pseudoephedrine, which is codeine, and you add all the chemicals to it. And what these chemicals do is they enhance the uh, they enhance the pseudoephedrine by a hundred times. That's that's where you end up with ice. Um, the research chemical ones it is so dangerous now because a lot of the dealers out there are mixing research chemical drugs with illicit substances, as in. Um, now heroin is being laced with the synthetic fentanyl, 
So people talk about fentanyl being a, um, you know, um, patches and that for the for the pain relief of cancer victims. But in China, they manufacture a, a synthetic fentanyl that they sell, and it's not even close to it. So you have to be very careful and mindful that research chemical drugs are coming into the marketplace. And the problem is, mate, you've got dealers out there that have no idea what the consistency of this stuff is or, you know, or how, how dangerous it is. So is all this stuff being made then over in China and shipped finished or the, the ingredients are being shipped to Australia? No. No, 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 no. It's all the research chemical drugs are all finished product coming from China. Okay. So, you know, for example, you could buy you can buy a kilo of the 25 bone from China for around about $7,800 US a kilo. And that one kilo would manif- would make more than five hundred and fifty thousand tabs. So it's actually the finished product, as in a powder form. And then what they do is they put it on things like blotting paper. They might uh, put a drop on a on a tablet, stuff like that. So the actual product itself is finished. Yeah. Wow, it's it's just incredible, isn't it? And and what you're mentioning it's before, mind blowing, mate. Mate, what you were mentioning before with the ingredients that go into ice, I mean, at what point did someone sit there and say, oh, you know what, we should mix with this, let's get the rat poison <laughs> and let's get the, like, um, mate, battery acid, and it's like, mate, people are putting this into their bodies. Yeah, I know. I know, mate. And it's, um, and that, that's what we do at Side Effect, mate. We go out there and tell the kids that, you know, we're not here to say don't take drugs. We're just here to tell you that if you're going to, experiment with anything in your life just know what the hell you're putting in your body and that's a very simple message yeah yeah very well, simple message i mean it is it is simple i mean but tell me how prevalent is this problem well <laughs> if you speak to the australian the law enforcement agencies uh, on the record they say that oh the research chemical trade's not not that bad you know it's not bad then you speak to a retired federal police officer who was involved in, in the research chemical detection, and he said just in New South Wales uh, last year, they seized over 1,700 kilos of research chemical. Now, what you have to remember is, if, for example, with ice, if you seize a kilo of ice, it's a kilo of ice. Yeah. If you seize a kilo of the 2,5-I research chemical, that kilo makes over five hundred and fifty thousand tabs. Wow! So, so your one kilo really is not really a kilo if you look if you look at it that way. That's scary. Okay, so if you, yeah. So, so when you say tabs, so if you talk about um, well, let's say seven hundred and fifty, we multiplied by, you know, it's nine hundred and seventy-one million tabs. Wow! So just from the seizure of in in one. In New South Wales, in one, uh, you know, in one bust. So, it's very frightening, mate. I, I, I keep saying to people, if the Australian government would have done something about the ice problem twelve years ago, we wouldn't be having a problem with ice today. With the research chemical trade, if you jump on top of it now, you might not have a problem in two or three years' time. But I tell you what, if you don't get onto it now, we're going to be in the same boat as we are now with ice prevalency of this at the moment is obviously only increasing it seems yep tell me about the solution that you think what are you saying they should be getting a list of all these research chemicals and banning them from being imported absolutely well well we're like we're lucky enough in 2015 uh i made an approach to the minister for police here and we were lucky enough to have the research chemical put on the what they call the you know the uh, through legislation um, on a banned substance list. Yeah. So if any research chemical drug that's mind-altering or psychoactive, if you're caught in possession with it, um, it's now a $50,000 fine or two years in prison, depending on the quantity. Uh, the problem is that all these drugs are all, are all banned as a chemical equation. So in chemistry, if you change the molecule by five degrees either way, realistically, it becomes a legal product again. So in China, you can ban 116 research chemical products, but you're banning the, the actual chemical formula. If you change that formula by five degrees either way, it becomes a brand new product again, and it becomes a, becomes a legal one. 
So my attitude in life with everybody and even with the Chinese government is, you know, you don't have a right to manufacture substances that kill people. So every single research chemical that's manufactured for this medical research should be absolutely banned. Yeah. So it should be illegal to manufacture it. There's no, the only outcome for this is is for drug dealers to to make money. There's no other outcome yeah. other than people dying. So and that's what, probably my mission now, you know. And what are the statistics looking like? They seem to be going up, but. Uh, yeah, but it's very hard with the research chemical trade because, or, or the supply, because when Preston passed away, um, in the autopsy, the 2,5-IM bone didn't come up in his system in the autopsy. The reason being is they didn't know what to test for. Uh, so now they do. So that's 2,5-I sort of covered. But statistically, how many people have died? I think the last figure was 38 in the last 12 months from research chemical. But who knows, mate? It could be a lot more than that. You know, people committing suicide, the youth of today, well, who's to say they're not on some sort of research chemical? And, mate, you'd really need to test for all these individually, wouldn't you? You can't just blanket test. Absolutely. So you no, you've got to, there's, there's so many, there's so many um, available now. The report came back from China last week was they reckon they're, the manufacturer coming up with three new research chemical drugs every week. Holy dooly. Every week, yeah. And uh, that's the frightening part. Mate, it, uh, is, it is frightening. And and I guess, but, I mean, if you look at what you were able to achieve with 60 Minutes going over there, I mean, what a what a great outcome. And I know they're still going to be selling yeah. it and making it, but, I mean, did you ever think that that's what was going to result from that trip when you went over no, there? No, no. No, well... The only thing in the back of my mind was I was thinking there's a fair chance I might get shot. That was the one thing I was thinking because <laughs> um, over there, you, you don't, you know, with 60 minutes, they, they were just pulling cameras out in the middle of the street. And I'm thinking, this is really good. Uh, I remember saying to to the producer at one stage, do we actually have a plan B? <laughs> he goes, uh, oh, she'll be all right. I said, well, it's really strange because we've got a cameraman, we've got two audio people, we've got Liz Hayes, we've got you, we've got me. <laughs> And I said, we're all on tourist visas. Uh, and we got six, I think, six box, fiberglass boxes of listening devices, camera equipment um, on tourist visas. Mate, I, I don't know what our story's going to be, but <laughs> I tell you what, it would be a bloody good one because I'm not feeling sort of too, uh, yeah, I'm not feeling too happy at the moment. Especially anyway, we, we got away with it, but um, I didn't, you know, I expected to get pulled in, pulled in sometime, but it didn't happen. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, especially with twenty-one thousand yeah. jobs at stake. Yeah, it's no wonder yeah. that they uh, they let you let you get away with all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was it was a great result. I just didn't expect that at all. I I just thought maybe, you know, I might have might have got two five IM bombs sort of put on the ban list. You know, but what my whole my whole sort of thought pattern behind it was, I want to expose where the research chemical drugs come from, what city what times they come in and what they're packed in. So I could actually start there and start getting it seized, you know, at the border. Um, but it just went a bit bigger than that. Just, just went just went viral. But is that still happening though? Like are they still catching this stuff on the border because yeah. of a result of this stuff that you found out? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it's look, the problem is with research chemical drugs, they admit the same odour as plastic. So to try and get a narcotic dog to detect plastic, he'd be picking up everybody's bag. But but because there's over 400 different research chemicals, you know, on the global market, then how do you teach a dog to detect over 400 different research chemical drugs? You can't do it. No. So the only way you can do it is by physically, physically handling it. If it comes up in a scan, or the most important thing, find out where it gets shipped from, what time it gets shipped, and how it's packed. They're the three keys to it. And if you concentrate on that, then you're gonna you're gonna start picking up some uh, some 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 products coming into the into the country. Mate, is this something that's not as much on their radar? I mean, have they got bigger fish to fry than this? Is I mean, what's what's the sentiment with that? Well, mate, meth at the moment, ice. That's that's their biggest concern. Um, you know, like it's amazing enough to think like in Perth at the moment, meth is uh, is about four times the price. Because all the borders are shut, so they can't get it. So you sit back and you go, okay, maybe you should look further into that. Um, it's obviously coming from somewhere. 
still coming in. Still coming in, yeah. It's still coming in in big waves. Um, in Perth now, I think MDMA has actually increased a lot uh, at the moment, which is old ecstasy. That's uh, that's starting to starting to come in 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 big ways. Yeah. And mate, people are high functioning with this stuff. Like, are they using this regularly day to day just to get through the day, or is it more of a party drug, one off sort of thing? You mean you mean the research chemical drug? Yeah. Oh, you don't you don't take that to get through the day, mate. No, this is this is a party drug. Okay. This is this is one to get off your face and you know everything. It's a, the euphoria of being on this stuff. You know, um, I've seen I've seen uh, videos of people that have taken it and uh, and gone on camera and said how they feel, and they've lost they've lost completely lost the plot. And then the next day they'd come back and said, you know, never, ever touch this stuff. It's, uh, right? it's mind-altering to the eighth degree. Yeah, it's it's a research chemical drugs, mate, aren't there to, to make you function in the complete opposite. Complete opposite. They're for you to party, have a good time quickly, and then what people don't realise is what the ramifications are at the end. Do you think they're not being fully educated with what the side effects of this stuff are? Yeah, definitely not. That's 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 a really good point, and that's the reasons why that side effect exists because we go out there and, and as I said, mate, I'm not out here to, to bash on my sticks and say you know yeah. don't take this, don't take that. My my goal is to say, well, you got research chemical products are in the marketplace. These things are deadly. I've seen yeah. it. I've seen it made. I've seen it with Preston. You know this stuff is deadly, and 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 I don't want I don't want a kid to go through the um. You know the pain and and, and heartache of, of taking this substance, but more on the lines of the family too, because people don't realise that when it resonates, it's 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 not just the death of Preston, for an example. It's just a domino effect after that. It's the grandparents, the parents, the the brothers, the sisters, the best mates. There's something stupid, you know. And you got to educate the kids and go. You got to stay on the right path, guys. And this is not the path you go down. Just not the path you go down. Were the other people that took this drug, the bad batch, that night or that morning, obviously some of their parents had already come to pick them up. Were they just being monitored and, and made sure that they were safe for, until they came off the drug? I mean, how- Yeah. Look, one, two, one of them was two, – two of them went home violently ill. One was, was thrown up. The other two were in, you know, in, a, in a bad way. Um, all of them came through all right, um, but it was a couple of days before they, they actually got their act together. Um, the, the story behind Preston is with the research chemical drug, it, 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 acts, it acts in your body differently. It all depends on your body, on your temperament. So if you're like a very active, outgoing person, this actual drug works in a different way. If you're just like a sloth and lay there on the couch, then you might have an effect, but nothing like if you're a very active person. Right. So that's what they were saying happened to Preston because he was so active and, and he was always on the go. It actually acts in a different way. Wow, mate! Uh, mm. No, uh, oh, I've I've learned a lot since it happened, mate. Just, oh, mate, it sounds like you have, and and not like I, yeah. and for, you know, I I haven't, um, I guess, yeah, I haven't been in the situation where I've ever tried drugs, but I just, it just amazes you. I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, you're not there to stop people or kids from taking these drugs, but how do you stop them from? How do you get them to make informed decisions about what they are taking? Yeah, and how do we do yeah. that? Well, I've got to, I've got to, when we do the presentations, I think last year in WA alone, we got to 105,000 students face to face, which is a massive, massive effort. And we, uh, we have a 16 minute video and the 16 minute video that we play is the story about Preston, the story about China, the manufacturing process of these drugs, and then the outcomes if you take them. It resonates. We have got so many people have contacted us saying, thank you so much. Because one of the most important things we have to understand is we have to educate the parents. The parents need to be educated just as much as what the kids do. It's, it's simple. It's a, you know, I, I say when I lecture to some of the mining camps, I say, you know, when, when you decide to bring a child into this world, the child doesn't have any say in it. Yeah. No say whatsoever. So your job in, your, in this life is to make sure you teach your kids the difference between right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And the problem is trying to teach them the difference between right and wrong when it comes to research chemical drugs. They actually have to learn about the drugs themselves. 
Yeah. How do you have that conversation with your with your family or your kids if you don't know? It's the same as mental health. You know, it's the questions yeah. of you, you have to ask the question: Are you okay? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's it's um, yeah, it's it's something very important and very close to my heart that parents need to be educated just as much as what the kids do. And if we can start that ball rolling, get those lines of communication open, then we might have a might have a result. Side effect and the mate, the amazing things that you're doing with that, you you're going out, you're educating parents, you're educating the kids at yep. school. Um, yep. You also provide a, a counselling service. Is that right? Yep. 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 A free counselling service. So if any of the kids, you know, that we um that we talk with at schools, um, you know, you can see if there's any underlying issues. We take counsellors with us to the presentations and then we also have a counsellor in the house. So if any kid wants to contact us in any way and have a chat, um, yeah, they're, they're here, here to talk to them. Rod, you're obviously looking you're, – you're big over there in WA. Uh, tell us whereabouts else in Australia uh, are you currently serving up these programs? Oh, we're not just, just WA at the moment. Just WA. At the moment um, – and. Yeah, I can, I can, I can disclose it to you now, but I'll, I'll, I had to think about this because we're actually in the middle of developing the first virtual game, online game, that all kids in Australia will get for free, and that'll be launched in May next year. Wow! And that's going to be a behavioural science thing. So it's, so you imagine the kids playing all these Fortnite and yeah. you know all these different games. This will actually be a game in relation to drug education awareness, and basically. Um, allowing you to make informed decisions. Oh, that's so okay. you get to play a game and you make choices. And when you have make the wrong choice, you actually have to get back out of it again and then start again. So it's, uh, we're doing it in conjunction with either Cowan University here in Perth um, with their behavioural science crew and their simulation centre. So that'll be something pretty pretty extraordinary. Mate, what a great project. And uh, and you're right. I mean, a lot of kids are playing these games, aren't they? So to get them to learn stuff as they're playing, uh, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, and it can be interactive. So you can do it in a you can do it in a classroom environment. You can do it on your own, or most importantly, you can go home and do it with your parents. Yeah. So, and what about yeah. the other programs that you have? Are they all just um, in person at the moment? There's no online opportunities yet. For people no, to get- not yet. So that that game will that game will be ready. Yes, yeah, said so before April May it'll be launched. So we're going yep. beta test or alpha test in February, and then it'll be released to the Department of Health and the federal government, and then we'll uh, we'll start launching that in all the different um, all the different schools. Um, we also have another one. You know, unfortunately, when when you have someone in your family that dies, like a like a son or a daughter, mate, you don't sleep very much anymore. Yeah. So I, I think about stuff, crazy stuff at four o'clock in the morning. And uh, I came up with this concept, which we've just launched now. Uh, it's called Side Effect Alert. Now, what this is, it's an app that goes on your phone. Uh, and when a nasty drug turns up in the marketplace, uh, we can actually do a push notification to postcodes, suburbs, within a 50K radius or 100K radius. So... I can only use Preston as an example. Preston took the 2,5-IM bone substance. Yeah. It was a piece of blotting paper that was 10 mil by 10 mil, and they had the singer Cy, uh, who does that Gangnam-style song, had his face on it. Now, there could have been 20,000 of those in the marketplace. There could have been 10. I don't know. So when, it, when Preston, they identified Preston had taken this and they had a sample of it, um, I thought to myself, well, how can you actually let the public know that there's a dangerous substance in the marketplace? Yeah. So we've designed Side Effect Alert. So when something turns up in the marketplace that's a dangerous substance, then we can actually do a push notification to that location or that area and just say to the kids, there's a dangerous substance in the marketplace. It looks like this. If you come across it, don't touch it. It's either someone's hospitalized or someone's died from it. Um and we're not saying, you know, take this one, this is a good one. We're just reporting the fact is that these are bad substances, just don't go near this one. And just to just like a message board, mate, just getting it out there. Yeah, mate, what a great concept. Uh, and so yeah. when, when do you think that'll be ready? It's ready, mate. We just, just, just went online with it last week. Oh, wow. Well, okay. How, so how, you've got a, 
How can people? If you've got a pen in your pocket, mate, you can do www.sideeffectalert.com.au yep. and away you go. You can download it through Google Play or Apple. In starting, like Side Effect is, I assume it's a charity, is it? Yeah, yeah, charity, yeah. Uh, mate, how, how have the struggles been with you uh, going about surviving, trying to get financing? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, tell me about that. That's got to be a hard slog. Mate, charity, being, being a non-for-profit, going back maybe 10 years ago, it was a walk in the park. Yeah. But like in the last three years, you know, money's tightened up and philanthropy money's difficult. Um, to try and get funding this day and age, money is very, very difficult. We charge a small fee to schools to do presentations, yeah. which keeps us alive. And, you know, when you hear these stories of, uh, you know, CEOs and people in charities being on 300 grand a year, I, I just sort of laugh at that because it'd be nice to have an income. But um, it's, it's, been a, it's been a struggle, but we're lucky enough with the, with the game now um, that we've got some federal funding to do to build the game now, so that's that's made our life a bit easy. Oh, mate, that's a great result. Yeah, yeah and, oh, mate, it was it, it was hard. It was hard. And mate, are you finding that people are very much willing to help? And uh, whether it's the police or I mean, are, are they are they highly supportive of what you're doing out there, or has it been tough? You've been clashing and people. Trying yeah, to- mate, it was it was tough in the beginning because the mental health commission here in perth and i don't mind disclosing it they believe that our program was fear-based not evidence-based now you know i i might upset some people by saying this but you know i i have difficulty with these professors of you know drug and alcohol or doctors that are in their 60s and 70 years of age because a lot of these people i think have lost have lost contact with reality with with the the actual common sense Mm. um kids these days they don't want to listen to some teacher telling a story. They don't want to look at a PowerPoint. They want to see something real life that resonates with them. Yeah. And you can call us fear-based, not evidence-based, but we're not fear-based. You, you, what you see in our presentation that we give is no different to what you see on television. You know? Wow. Um, so we were criticised in the beginning, but then when some of the uh, heads of the Department from Health and Education saw our program and they were getting testimonials from teachers and parents and students to say it's the most outstanding presentation they've ever seen and uh you know one one parent said my kid came home normally comes in chucks his bag on the ground opens the fridge door and grunts she said the first thing he said to me is i saw the most amazing drug presentation today i want to sit down and talk to you about it wow and we've got that comment coming back from so many people we with the pilbara trip I think we've got 15 or 16 emails already from parents saying, um, my kid came home and talked to me about drugs. Is there any possible way I can get your presentation so I can show my other kids? Wow. So that's the sort of things that, that are happening you know, with our, with our presentation, and I'm sure a lot of government ones or other programs don't, don't resonate like that. And, mate, just tell us an example. So the Pilbara trip you just went to, you went up to the Pilbara for the last 16 days. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Yep. And you saw uh, how far did you travel and how many people did you see? Uh, well, if you talked about schools, mining camps, and in Aboriginal communities, we did 23 presentations. Wow. Uh, we did 4,200 4, kilometres. Um, yeah, we had two or three days we had rest, but other than that, we just went from town to town to town. Uh, yeah, it was, it was good. And I'd say... Uh, Mining camp-wise, we would have got to over a thousand in the mines, and the schools, uh, yeah, schools we would have got to about four and a half thousand. With a lot of these schools that we go to, um, you know, they, they don't have drug education programs. Yeah, and and you sit back and you wonder why they've got actually a drug problem in the school. Well, I can tell you why, because no one's up here talking about it. Yeah, and so were you saying that it should be done every year? Is that how often that should be? being spoken about um oh, look i mean i i think every year group um every every year you know my attitude is how many you know how many times should you do it so i said you know everyone should be taught drug education every day yeah. in schools you know we we leave teachers a lot of um, information and stuff to talk to the kids about it so well we'll actually get a report back in about two weeks from all different schools on how how the the, the outcome of the presentation went because the, the teachers 
sort of bring it up with the students and have a good talk and a workshop about it. Yeah. And we'll see what the result comes back. The kids that are out there now that are possibly consuming synthetic drugs, how yeah. how do we go about this educating them before they take something? Someone comes up to them at a party, at a dance, a concert, a festival. Yeah. What what's the I mean what's the best solution? What's the what's the way they should react? Well, it's the as we said before, mate. It's, it's Sam. It's it's early intervention education. Yeah. There's no other way of doing it other than educating the kids about the dangers of what these substances are. That that's that's the only thing you can do. And if you if you can get through to the kids, and then you can also have a, a two prong attack and get through to the parents. Then if you have those lines of communication open, then you know we we might be living in a better world. But education, early intervention is the only way to go. Get them when they're young and, and educate them about the dangers of these products. You know, we're not we're not playing around with candy or fairy floss here. No. This stuff is deadly. This is dangerous, deadly products, and you just have to be mindful that you just don't touch this stuff. What about the pill testing stuff? Is that is that something? Oh. Is, is, I mean, have you heard <laughs> been, anything about that? Oh, boy, I've been down, I've been down this road with the pill testing. I um I've made comment in several media outlets that they always ask me about pill testing at festivals, and I said I'd be I'd be a big supporter of pill testing in festivals, on the condition is that it can test for every single substance. Yeah. If it can't test for research chemical substance, then what what are we doing? We're creating a monster. So you know, the- and look, I, I got parents I got parents contacting me, Sam, going. Uh, I've got my 15-year-old kids going to a festival. Can you tell me where I can go and buy um, a test kit to test it before he takes his drugs? Oh, my God. I said, sorry, how, how old is your kid? <laughs> 15. I went, Holy maybe God. you should go and get some help. That's that's, a- that's that's the mentality of them these days. Mate, so the, you're saying the pill, so, yeah, testing, the, pill- the pill testing stuff doesn't actually test for? Well, no. Well, I mean, unless unless they've got the technology, which they didn't have it three months ago, Unless they've got technology now that can test for every single substance known to man, you could be signing someone's death warrant. You yeah, could yeah. be going, look, and some of the comments made was, oh, well, okay, then if it's got a dangerous substance in it and it's identified as being dangerous, then why do they give it back to them again? Is that what they And they do? say, oh, well, it's up to them. Yeah, that's what they, 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 they actually test the pill and say, I would take this one and give it back to them. <sighs> then they say in their next breath, oh, we found a lot of pills laying around the bin outside where they've obviously taken notice of it. Well, I can tell you now, if I'm a 22-year-old and I go and pay $50 for a tablet and I get told it's, got a, dangerous, it's a dangerous substance, I'm not going to throw it away. Yeah. I'm going to go and sell it to some other sucker. Try and sell us, yeah. To get my money back. That's, that's exactly what they do. So what have you done? You've just... You've just tested a pill that said it's dangerous, you've given it back to the person, they've gone on and sold it to somebody else. Doesn't make any sense. Emma, is there any anything out there that would pass a chemical test? Like a, I mean, surely they've all got <laughs> something they've all got something <laughs> in them, don't they? Mate, it, it's it's they can test to say if it's got some sort of substance in it. The reports have come back to me that say, oh this one here's got MDMA in it, which is ecstasy. Um you know, you're 62 kilos. I wouldn't be taking the whole tablet. I'd only take half. I'm thinking, who gives anybody a right to say that? Yeah, wow. You know, what they should be doing is saying, no, no, if you want to come to the festival, um, you know, it's it's a drug-free zone. And the argument I have with people is like, oh, they're going to do it anyway. I yeah. go, well, good, but it's still an illegal substance. It's common knowledge that all these locations – at festivals all around the world is the one thing that happens at all of them is all the ATM machines run out of money. Mm. Now I sit back and think, what are you getting money for these days when I don't think I've carried cash for years? You know, you buy everything with a, with a card now. Yeah. Why are you getting cash? And, and it, was all, it was all explained. The common denominator is a $50 um, withdrawal, wow. which means to me there's a lot of kids out there buying drugs. Mate, it seems it's, I mean, such a big challenge ahead of us, but I mean, you're definitely out there, uh, you know, pounding the pavement and, and getting some real traction, which is really, yes. really great to see. One more question I have for you. Obviously, yeah, sure. Preston's legacy and the incident that happened, 
absolutely devastating. How much has this impacted, uh, I mean, your personal life uh, and your crusade? Because I imagine that what you're doing now, is this a full-time gig compared to what you were doing? And like, like how has this impacted the family life, if you don't mind me asking? Well, no, 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 happy to answer that question. Um, How it impacts the family life? Um, It's brought me closer together with my daughter. Um, I had a successful cafe when 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 Preston died. Um, that was a struggle because you know with cafes, mate, you you got to you got to be involved in it. Um, yeah, I couldn't do the cafe and side effect at the same time, so I gave all that up. Um, and my main main focus is um, is now is side effect and educating the youth today because somebody has to do it. Um, it affected my my well. I was already separated, but you know my my wife or my ex wife is not not travelling too well. Yeah. Amy has her moments, so yeah, it's it, it it it's something you have to try and get through. And uh, you know, I just I'm just thankful that Amy's in my life because if she wasn't, I'd have no idea where I'd be today. Is that right? No idea whatsoever. I don't think I'd be in a good frame of mind. Well, mate, you know. It seems strange, but I say to people this all the time, you know, I wish Preston had died at the age of 12 or 25 because at 12, if he hadn't lived and at 25, he would have experienced something in his life. Yeah. But 16 was right in the middle where it sh- shouldn't have happened, you know. And, you know, seeing him so excited about year 12, um, he was going to go and do criminal law at uni. Um, he did. One, of his, one of my friends was a, was a barrister. And um, he spoke to Preston only two days before Preston had his accident. And he said, what do you want to do, Preston? He said, I want to be a lawyer like you. He goes, mate, if you want to be a lawyer, he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, as soon as you start your degree, he said, you'll come and work for me. He said, I'll sign you up right now. He was happy to get Preston through uni so he could come and work with him. Wow. So, and that was a beautiful, beautiful story. And he's now a judge. Uh, so um, you just got to, you just got to wake up in the morning, Sam. Just keep breathing, and just, just, just look forward to what's going to happen during the day. And, and at least with the development of the game and the side effect alert app and all that, um, it just gives you a bit more focus to think. Keep going, keep going. And mate, you'll be able to get more leverage. You'll be able to reach a bigger audience uh, because there's only so much of Rod. I imagine it's a pretty small team at Side Effect. I mean, it's yeah. There's only yeah. so much of you to go around, and you can't do everything. Yeah, well, that's part of it. Well, the reason why the game is being developed is for that exactly that reason. Yeah. I mean, I've been invited to go and do public speaking over in the east, and I got asked to go to New York and and, and one in the UK. But um, it's just too tiring and too hard to do that. And we've got so much happening back here. But yeah. you know, I don't know how many schools we got to so far. About 140. And when you look at doing 140 schools in one year, it it, it is very draining when you have to get up and tell the tell the story about Preston emotionally, it's very difficult. I can talk till the cows come home about drugs, but when it comes to talking about Preston personally, it, it's it's still, it's although it's been seven years now, it's still raw. Yeah. You know, and it's just something that will never, never go away, mate, never go away. Well, mate, I mean, I definitely appreciate, and I know our listeners will as well, and uh, I mean, what you're up to, it's so inspiring to see, and I know you're out there and, and – Already, Preston's legacy is saved and will continue to save many other lives because of what you're doing and the education you're providing. And so, um, mate, I just, yeah, I mean, if you're not doing it, uh, I mean, what would happen? And that's a scary thing. And uh, I'm just very grateful, even for WA's sake, that someone's out there trying to campaign against this stuff Mm. and and makes me think on the East Coast, um, you know, we also need to do our bit as well. But anyway, that'll be another thing. Uh, yeah, mate, I'm dying to, dying to get over there once all this COVID-19 stuff's out of yeah, the way. Yeah. I'd love to go over there and do some presentations to some schools and stuff. And uh, But you'll see, the le- you'll see the launch of the game early next year and then we'll, we'll keep in contact, mate, and we'll, uh, I'll mate. give you the heads up all the way through so you can let your listeners know. That sounds great, Rod. And how can people get in touch with you if they want to know, know more? Um, yeah, sideeffect.org.au. Sideeffect, so just, yep, that's with one E, right? Dot, yeah, one A. Yeah, yep. that's some some marketing guru thought it'd be a good <laughs> idea to put one A in the middle. I get asked that question every time. No, that's all good. Yeah, so 
side effect.org.au and then there's a there's a, a page there where you can just contact us through admin and we can reply back to you. Rod, thanks very much for sharing your uh, right, your journey with us and uh, and mate, simply it's just so incredible what you're doing. So keep up the great work. Is there someone working in mental health who you'd like to be featured on the podcast? Are there more questions you want the answers to? Let us know what you want to hear. Get in touch with us by emailing any podcast suggestions to membership at anzmh.asn.au. And be sure to stay up to date on our socials at ANZMHA on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you very much for listening, and we look forward to sharing our next conversation.